God is good. You ready for the word this morning? Excellent, excellent. We are into um, part three uh, this morning of a series that I'm doing called Why. Um, and I'm going to continue into talking into that, uh, that uh, series of messages uh, this morning and for a few more weeks uh, yet to come. Um, this series, uh, I'm going to guarantee you this morning, um, is not going to answer all of your why questions. Um, in fact, I'm going to guarantee that you'll probably have your own why questions about why didn't Pastor Gary do a message on why we should have a lay-in on Sunday instead of go to church. <laughs> Half of them got that. The other, what? <clears throat> There's many things that we could ask, many questions that we could have in our own hearts. It's almost like we've got this never-ending line of, of, uh, of why, why, why in life. And today I want to look at the, one of the questions that I've had in my heart um, at one point or another, and maybe you've asked the same sort of question as well. The, 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 this particular why question um, for me came out of usually a time where I'd failed, where I didn't see myself as being very successful, as being very good at what I did. I, I only saw what went wrong, how I didn't measure up. And I had this question in my heart. Maybe for you, it's, it's a different reason that you might have this question. Maybe you're just curious uh, to want to know the answer to this particular question. And I started it a couple of weeks ago, this, this message, this answering this why question that we might have uh, about this issue. And the question is simply this, is why does God love me? Why does God love me? You know, we can say so much about the love of God. In fact, uh, I, I spent a little bit of time in that message, actually the whole time in that message, exploring different aspects of, of God's love. You know, why does God love us so much? Why uh, did it cost him so much? You know, what, what, what was it that God sees in us that causes him to actually love us? And I think that's a really good question to have. It's, I think, one of, probably one of the most profound questions that we could ask of God, uh, but I don't think that we can actually answer it completely. I don't actually believe that the Bible gives us an answer to that question. There's nowhere in the Bible that we could turn to, that I'm aware of, and I'm open to correction on this, that we could go to the, a particular passage in, in the Bible, and it says that God loves us because, and then it lists some things, that the reasons that God gives to us why he would love us. In fact, I, I believe that the, the Bible says quite the opposite about what the love of God is, is to us. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul said to the church at Ephesus that his, his heart was that may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. So there are things that we need to understand about the love of God that, you know, it's just, it's just too big. It's, it's too vast, it's too broad, it's too deep, it's too high, it's too wide for us to really get our heads around. And that's what I love about God. That's what I love and enjoy so much about an extravagant God, a, such a generous God, such an amazing God, that there, we can't come to the end of knowing who He is. In fact, it is going to take us all of eternity to walk with Him, to be around Him, to be in His presence, to even start to fathom just a small part 
of who and what God is to us. And I think that's an incredible thing to have happen in our lives. So when I spoke last time, we looked at a couple of things that uh, helped us to lay a foundation to better understand things about his God, about God and, and his love for us. We know that God loves us. John 3.16 tells us that. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love I have drawn you to myself. And today I, th- I think that we live in a world where people are desperately seeking to know that they are loved by someone, by anyone in our world. And they're going to extreme lengths to find love. And sadly, many are looking in all of the wrong places. And these people need to hear that God does love them. Secondly, we know that God loves us not because of anything that we have done. Romans 5.8 says that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And people are doing things to try and earn uh, and, 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 and sort of like grasp hold of God's love. People are living a life without God because they believe that God could never love them because of all the things that they've done in their life. They think that they are beyond the reach of God's love. And people need to know that God's love isn't because of anything that they have done or how they live life. Never more than ever in our day and our age, in this current political climate, do we need to get that message out to people in our world. That it doesn't matter what they've done. They can never be too far from the reach of God. We know that God loves us, thirdly, with an unconditional love. John, 1 John 4 verse 8 says God is love. So people need to know that God loves them without condition. There's no hoops that they need to jump through. There's no fences that they need to leap over. There's no amount of money that they need to give. They don't even have to get cleaned up and then come to God. God's love is unconditional. Like Pastor Paul Bartlett said, you know, sometimes we, we, we want to be fishers of men and we want to throw this net out uh, and, and gather in a great harvest. But too often what Christians do is, is we, we sort of sort out the fish before we throw the net out. And that's not our job. That's not our role. We need just to be fishers of men. Chuck the net out and let God bring in the great harvest that he wants to bring into our world. We also know how much God loves us. 1 John 4, 9 says God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. People need to hear that God loves them. And no matter how much they think that he loves them, he loves them more than that. You might think that you've got a a good handle on on God's love. You can say, well, I think God loves me this much. Well, actually, it's this much. You know, you might think, well, I know that God loves me this much. No, it's bigger than that. Actually, it's beyond your reach to understand how much God loves us. I don't know what it would take for for God to send his son to die in my place. I tell you, now, if if I was God and I had to send my my son to die in your place, you'd go to hell. (laughs) I'm just being honest, you know. Uh, You ain't getting any of my kids. I don't know what it takes to do that. I don't know what it takes to do that. I think that's an amazing love, and it's beyond anything in my capacity to completely understand. What an incredible love that God has, that he sent his son. We also need to know that nothing can stop God's love reaching us. Romans 8 verses 35 to 37 says, Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, Paul says. No. 
Nothing can separate us from God. The people we live with, that we work with and we play with need to know that God's love can't be stopped. No matter what we do, what we say, who we hurt, who hurts us, how far we run or where we try to hide, God's love can't be stopped from reaching us. I love what David says in the Psalms in Psalm 139. If I go to the deepest, darkest places, even there your spirit will find me. There's no place that we can hide, no place that we can go where we are not going to be, you know, like we're, we're going to actually be separated from God, God, God's love. God's love is going to, to, to search out and, and to find us no matter where we think that we are. In fact, I think that God already got there before us. So if God loves us that much, the question we need to ask is, why does God love us? Why does God love us? Now, I believe one reason that God hasn't told us why he loves us is because he knows us so well. He knows how we are formed, how competitive we are, how, you know, we just, if there's a, a race to be run, I mean, I'm terrible at the youth games when we used to go along there. Uh, on a Friday night, I was terrible. I would cheat to win. I, I'm, I confess my sins before the people now in Jesus' name. Please forgive me, but I cheated to win because I'm so competitive. I don't like letting people win. I've got to win. Okay, that's just how competitive I am. And I know that Jesus is working on me in that area, and I know that Jesus is probably working on you some other areas of your life. But this is my sin. It's out there. Okay, I just love to win. So that's how we are. That's how most people are. We're competitive. We're competitive. We love to win. And sometimes, you know, uh, we need to understand that maybe God didn't tell us why he loves us is because if he told us that if we do this, if we, uh, uh, you know, a person who, who does this particular thing, we would get so competitive at doing that that we would think that we have done everything that, uh, um, to earn God's love. We, we can boast about earning God loves me because I've done this. But the other thing is also true is that because we'd not done it enough, we'd feel badly about ourselves and think that God doesn't love us as like he loves everybody else because I haven't done this as much as everybody else. Do you know what I mean? Because that's how he talks about salvation. That's how salvation is. It's not according to anything that we have done so that we can't boast about it. It is the grace of God received through faith. Does that make sense? So do you follow what I'm, I'm, there's a parallel there, at least there is in my head. So there's this area where I think that, you know, God maybe hasn't said in the Bible why he loves us so that we can't say he loves us because of something we've done or said, or we might be tempted to say that he loves us more because we did more or we said more. And conversely, like I say that, you know, he may, we think that he might love us less because we haven't done it enough. We haven't spoken about him enough. We haven't read the Bible enough. We haven't prayed enough. And we think that God doesn't love us because we haven't done it enough. And that's not what God has said in his word. Praise God. Amen. I think, who, who thinks God's a smart God? Okay. He was watching everybody else who saw, they had the held hand down now. He was watching you and he doesn't love you anywhere near as much as he did before. That was a joke. Just kidding. All right. I 
I think there's nothing that we can do to earn God's love. But what I would like to do this morning is to explore three possible reasons why God would love us. Are you open for that this morning? Three possible reasons. I'm not saying these are the reasons. I'm suggesting they might be linked to why God would love us this morning. The first one is this. Because of who God is. Is the first reason. I think that God loves us. He, he loves us. This is one of the reasons maybe why God loves us is because of who God is. The Bible says that God is love. He doesn't have love. And Jane said this so well in a volunteer meeting this morning before the service. That God doesn't have love. He actually is love. 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. John, 1 John 4, 16 says, So we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. I don't think that there's ever been more uh, of an important declaration made than God is love. God doesn't just love, he is love. His nature, his essence, is, if you want, is love. Love permeates the very, his very being. He, he infuses. What a great word that is. He infuses all his other attributes. Even his wrath and his anger is based in love. Because God's very nature is love, he must demonstrate love. He just as he must demonstrate all the other attributes that he has, because doing so actually brings glory to himself. Love permeates every part of him. God's love is not sappy. Okay? It's not sentimental. It's not this romantic thing that we think on the, uh, the, the, the romance channel on Foxtel. You know, it's, it's not this sort of like chick flick channel. It's, it's just not that. It's not this love, warm, you know, fuzzy thing that you can't really quantify. God's love is agape. It's, a, an, it's an unconditional love. It's, it's a love that, that he, has, he places no condition on receiving it or him giving it. Uh, let's see how the Bible describes love and then maybe look at a few ways that God is the essence of love and maybe help us to understand uh, what that looks like this morning. So in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 8, and Luke spoke so well about this last Sunday. He really uh, gave a great message. I'd encourage you to listen to the message from Luke last week on our iTunes site or on our website. You can have a, have a listen to it. But 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 8 says, Love is patient, love's kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it doesn't seek self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, doesn't delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. <clears throat> cool. So that's what love looks That's God's description of what love is. And because God is love, that's what he's like. So when we, when we read that, you're actually reading about who God is. That's his character. That's his nature. So let's walk through this passage, maybe changing the word love and replacing it with the word God. Just as a thought. So God is patient. In fact, he's so patient, he loves people so much that he's holding off judgment, wanting no one to die without knowing him personally. 
See, God will not force himself on anyone. See, love doesn't force itself on people. Those who come to him come in response to his love. Love shows kindness to all. In other words, God shows kindness to all, good and bad, nice and nasty. Jesus went about doing good to everyone without partiality. When the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 is happening, you know, Jesus is giving out to everybody, the good, the bad, the ugly. He's not sitting there and saying, now, I actually saw you in church last Sunday, so you can have a bit. Can you give your bit to him? Thanks. Actually, I saw you praying. You can have a bit. I saw you giving something. That's fine. Jesus didn't do that, did he? He gave it to everyone. It doesn't matter who they were. That's how God treats people, without partiality. And I love that. About There will come a time when he will be partial. The end of days. A judgment seat. But then the only question he's going to ask you is, do you know my son? If you do, welcome. If you don't, you had to step over Jesus. You had to step over Jesus. Jesus did not covet what others had, living a humble life without complaining. Jesus didn't brag about who he was in the flesh, although he could have overpowered anyone that he came into contact with. He humbled himself to become like a man, to walk on the earth, leaving behind his divinity, his supernaturalness. God does not demand obedience. God didn't demand obedience from his son, but rather Jesus willingly obeyed his father in heaven. Jesus was and is always looking out for the interests of others. Why does God love us? Because God is love. For God not to love us would be to deny who he is and act counter to his, his, uh, counter to his nature. We need to know that God loves us because he is love. The people that we work with, the people that we commute to work with, the ones that we play sport with, they need to know that God is love. Our neighbours, the people that, that serve us at the shops, our kids' teachers, our mates, our friends, need to know that God is a God of love. God's not a, a, a hateful God. He's not a, a God of sickness or poverty. In actual fact, He is the answer to sickness and, and, and hate and poverty in our world. God's love is personal. He knows each of us individually and he loves us personally. God is love and because he is love, that's why I think that possibly he loves you and he loves me and he loves our community. Is that good? Is that good? See, God loves me more because of that. Second reason, I think, possibly, that why God loves us is because he created us. Firstly, it's because God is love. But secondly, just maybe because he created us. You know, I'm, I'm blessed to be the father of three great children. When Jane was pregnant, I, I, rem, I remember speaking to my kids through Jane's tummy. You know, it just it's something mums and dads are just... That's what you do. It's just what you do. 
you, you just sit there and you, and you talk to your wife's stomach. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't do that? God loves me more because I do. If you didn't, he doesn't love you as much. <laughs> I'm joking. All right, okay. So, so I remember talking to my kids and I, I remember speaking to them and I remember telling them, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. I want you to know before you're even born that I love you. But more than that, I want you to know that God loves you. I, I, I prophesied over my kids. I remember speaking life and declaring things over Jane's stomach, my kids. And I remember just, you know, them looking up at me and they go, yeah, Dad, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw Jane's stomach going, boom, Everyone knows that's a, yeah, thumbs up, come on. When they were born, when they were born, and I held them in my arms for the first time, as their father, I can't tell you how much my, my heart exploded with love. I can't tell you how much they meant to me and how much... I'd die for my kids. you got Buckley's chance of me killing my kids for you. It's not going to happen. In fact, I would stand in front and you have to shoot me and get to me before you ever get to my kids. I remember holding these, this life in my hands. I just it, just it, it exploded something inside of me. As their father... I wanted my kids to know and understand in that instant that I held them and that they could, I wanted them to feel my love. But I also wanted them to know that there was nothing that they could do to ever stop me loving them, supporting them, believing in them, being there for them as much as I possibly could. You know, that's the way I felt. But I, I think, think that God can do that so much better than I ever could. I think it's arrogance for us to think that we could do it better than God could. And I've got to tell you right now, you're one of his kids. God made you. He created you. Psalm 139 out of the Passion Translation. Listen to this. It says, and this is the revelation that King David had about him being created by God the Father. He says, you form my innermost being, shaping my delicate inner side and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even shaped every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place carefully, skillfully shaping from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I ever saw the light of day, the number of days that you planned for me were all recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. And when I wake each morning, you're still thinking of me. That's, that's God, what he says over us, over his creation. We are his creation. We are the ones, the, the people that he's formed and fashioned uh, out of nothing into something. 
And to me, that rocks my boat. That, that revs my motor, puts a quiver in my liver. It just does everything that uh, to cause me to rejoice in, in who God is. David had a revelation. It's, he's, he's David's creator. He's the one who put David's DNA into him. The one that, who gave David his abilities, his heart, his strengths, his character and his values. God was the one who knit David together. Just as God created David in his mother's womb, God created us and put us together. God calls us his masterpieces. You're a masterpiece this morning. You need to know that you're a masterpiece. And God has even signed his name on you. You're his poetry. Another translation says, you are the workmanship of his hands. You are his handiwork. In other words, he's, he's, he's right there. We are his hand. Think about handiwork. His hands on stuff. That's what God has done with us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1.31 says, God looked over all that he created and he said it was? No, very good. Very good. Everything else was just good. But when he made man and woman, he said, Baby, come on, you're good. You're very good. Husbands, you need to look at your wife right now and say, that's exactly how I feel about you, baby. You are very good. You are very good, baby. How different would we see the people in our community if we saw them as having been created by God? That the person we don't like is actually someone that God created. Boom, I'm going to hit you right between the eyes this morning. I'm lining you up. How different would our community be if we loved the people that God created? How different would our schools be and our workplaces be and our neighborhoods be if, they, if we saw them as people fill, being filled with people that God not only loved but he created too? How different would we or could we treat people knowing God created them, that he put them together, shaped them and put destiny and purpose inside of them? How rude, arrogant and nasty could we continue to be towards someone that God has made and that someone God loves? How much could we continue to gossip, pull down, talk down to someone that God loves and God created? How can we reach out to the masterpieces that God created, knowing that every single one of them has his name, or sorry, has their name written on God's nail-pierced hands? In Isaiah 49, verses 13 to 16, it says, Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. God says, never can a mother ever forget nursing her child. Can she feel no love for the child that she has born? But even if that were possible, I wouldn't forget you. See, I've written your names on the palms of my hands. That's 
how much God loves the people that we work with, that we, we, we play sports with, the ones that we you know, drive past in our uh, going to work or going to the shops. That's how much God loves that shop assistant that we're really cranky with because they got the order wrong. That's how much God loves those people. He loves them unconditionally with an everlasting love. That's how much God loves them. He, he, he is love. That's how, how much he, and he created them. Can I say to you this morning that if you've had parents who've abused you, hurt you, rejected you, or even said that they hate you, know this today, that that's not how God sees you or feels about you this morning. In fact, he died for you. He wants you to know that you are special. He created you. He knows how you're wired. He knows how you're gifted. He knows your weaknesses in your life. He knows everything there is to know about you. And he loves you more than you'll ever know. He is not like your mum, and he's not like your dad. He is completely different and so much better than that. That was worth an amen. Praise God. Bless Jesus. You may have thought that your parents created you, but they didn't. God did. God created you. He put you together and he loves you. So this is it. I believe that God loves us because he is love and because he created us. But thirdly, I also think that God loves us because he's given us a purpose. He, he, he is love. It's because of who he is. He's created us, but he's also given us a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 out of the Passion Translation says, we've become his poetry, his masterpiece. A recreated people that'll fulfill the destiny that he's given each one of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the works that we do to fulfill our destiny. See, knowing that God loves us and because he is love and because he's created us now propels us towards our destiny, towards our purpose in life. We've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and he's got a destiny for us. So as I put this message together, I felt that there were two areas that I wanted to focus on in relation to our purpose and our destiny. The first one is this, that God has created us for the purpose of being a joint heir with God. A joint heir with God. Hey, that, you didn't, didn't see that coming, did you? Hey, that's, oh, that was a good point. Romans 8 verses 16 to 17 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So my purpose, one of my purposes in life is to reign in life with Christ. Oh, come on, church. I'm preaching, but you're just sitting there. Come on. This, this should like, put a quiver in your liver. This has got to be something that you know, you've got to understand and start to... to, to under, this is what God has called you to do, to reign in life. That you're not here just to exist or just to survive, but to thrive. Watch out, front row. Here comes the spit. I think that's exciting. I think that that's just amazing that God has called me to, to, to uh, not be a slave anymore, but to be a son of the Most High God. God has not just called us uh, his son, but he's called us to be joint heirs with Christ. As a joint heir with Christ, we inherit everything Jesus is. How precious Jesus is to the Father is how precious we are to the Father. The way that Father loves Jesus is the way that Father loves us. How accepted are we by God today? 
Look at Jesus. That's how accepted we are. Christ is the measure of our acceptance. How favoured are we by God? Look at Jesus, who is seated at the Father's right hand right now. And we enjoy that same favour today because whatever Christ enjoys, we enjoy. As a joint heir with Jesus Christ, we also inherit all that the Father has obtained. Sorry, that Jesus has obtained from the Father. How much Jesus has is how much we have. How prosperous is the one who made all things and who put the gold, the silver and the diamonds in the earth. That's how we are in the world too. I used to read the Bible to find out how to be a successful and a victorious Christian. I just thought that's how I needed to read the Bible. I just needed to know how I needed to live, how I needed to change, how I needed to do everything. It was all about me, how I needed to do something to be victorious or to be an overcoming Christian. But not now. Now I read it to find out more about Jesus because the more I know and find out about him, I find every blessing in him. So I need to find out who Jesus is in the Bible. His character, his nature would be revealed to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me about who God is. Speak to me about Jesus and all that he's done and appropriated on my behalf. Let me walk in the fullness of Jesus as I read about him today in the word of God. We have weak Christians today because none of them are reading their Bible. None of them are finding out who Jesus is and that how that's how God sees them because that's who they're trying to find out about. I'm getting really like, you know, you know, there's... You know what I mean? Just catch this by the Spirit right now. Jesus, chuck this out. I'm full. You just get this. Man, I'll give this to you. I don't know what this is, but this is it. I'll get excited in a minute. Saints, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Find out all the blessings of our rich inheritance, what it includes, and start walking in them today. You don't have to beg for this. It's already yours because of who you are. Secondly, the second area of our purpose is this. Not only are we joint heirs with Christ, but we are co-laborers with Christ. We are co-laborers with God. Oh, this, I, I get, you thought I was excited before. When we know and grasp that we are co-heirs, co-laborers with God. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says this, For we are God's co-laborers, you are God's field, you are God's building. It's important that those two phrases are there. Okay? When we know and grasp that, that God does love us, when we grasp His love is not based on how good we are, but on how good He is, when we know God's love is unconditional, how much he loves us, that his love is unstoppable, it's unfailing and it's everlasting, and, everyone say and. and. Say it again, and. And, and that's how God's love is towards us, those, those that I meet. That's how it is for them. The ones that I work with, the ones that I live with, the ones I study with, the ones that I have fun with, the ones that God wants me to reveal his love to these people. Suddenly I start to understand why God loves me because I am part of the journey that that the story in someone else's life that will help them come to faith in God through me. That I am a part of the story that God is crafting and building and doing things. Because God God loves us because we are part of the story of the harvest that he wants to reap in souls. In other words, remember God's we are God's field. God's got us in a field because he wants us to reap a harvest. 
But God was also wanting to build a place, a build a house. He's building his church. The church is not a building. The church is, is people. It's you and I. And God is wanting to add people to his church, to his building, to the house of God. So God has got us in these places because he wants us to grab a brick and stick it in the house. I need to preach to someone who's alive, really. Surely. I love yous. I'm, I'm, I love yous all. I really do. Oh, because that, that means God loves me more. Mm. Our lives have the purpose of helping reconcile others to God. This is how we co-labor. Our destiny is to help others reach their destiny in God. God loves us because we're shining examples to our world of God's love. God loves us because he's made us the salt of the earth. God loves us because we serve those around us in the love of God. The Bible may not say why God loves us, but I believe it may have something to do with him being love, that he created us and that he has a purpose for us. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. People are looking for someone to hope in. Our family and our friends and the people that we work with and the people we shop with, that live next door to, are crying out to know that there is more to this life than what they are living right now. They are crying out. They are crying out. I, I watched a, 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 a Facebook video this morning and I shared it on my post. And what it was is the first reactions that people had who were deaf that heard for the first time. And I watched and you saw the moment, the instant that they heard a sound for the very first time. And their faces came alive and their hearts broke and the people around about them just, you know, like just embraced them. It's just a joyous and fantastic moment. I believe that there are people waiting to hear the voice of God, that he loves them, that he died for them, that he lo- there's forgiveness for them, that there's hope for them. There's, there's things that he's, he's planned for them. There's a great future for them. There's a hope for them. And I want to see those lights come. I want to see their face for the first time when they hear that, that, that sound of the Father's voice. And he says, I love you. I died for you. I sent my son for you. I want to fill you with my spirit. I want to give you the power to live a life that you always want to live. That's what I want to say. I want to see those lights come on in people's eyes. I know you do too. I know you do too. That's your heart as well. But we've got to get the message out, church. We've got to be the message. We can't continue to pull people down around about us. You know, the best way to, to reach Muslim people and, and people who live and believe differently to, to how we do, get to understand them, get to know them, ask them a question. Why do you believe what you believe? Engage them in a conversation. I'm going to do a series coming up in a few, a little, when I've worked it out. It's, going, it's just going to simply call, let's talk. There you go. There's the introduction. (laughs) 
Let's stand. I'm done. That was a bit long. Sorry about that. Actually, I'm not. I'm not sorry really at all. I want to change how we do this. I heard something on a podcast when I was out for a run this morning, not this morning, during this week. And I thought, I like that, how they do it. And it's the older call at the end of the service, you know. I believe that people want to get born again. Born again. I believe that people are looking for an opportunity. They're just waiting for someone to ask. I believe that that's what people want to do. They want to give their hearts to God because they're looking for him. They're, they're, they're wanting to hear a voice that's different. And if there's ever a voice that's different, it's the Father's voice. When he speaks into your world, he changes everything. He reconstitutes how you're wired. and he, he opens up your eyes to things that you've never seen before. To understanding things that maybe you've never understood. And that's what I want to see in people's lives. And I know that you do too. This morning you, you've heard me bang on about God's love. That He is love. He just doesn't have love. He is love. If you want to see what love's really like, look at God. He's the one. Maybe you didn't know that God actually created you. You thought it was your mum and dad. They might have had a little bit to do with it, but God had a big part. And you maybe never realized that your identity in Christ is that you are an heir with Christ and that you are an, a co-laborer with Christ. Because you know what? I couldn't do half the, I couldn't do any of this stuff if it wasn't that I was being filled with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God is speaking through me. So I'm partnering together with Christ in my role as my function this morning. And I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful. I mess about and I joke around, but I believe that it's the Spirit of God just, just working through into your world. Maybe this morning, not everybody here knows God. Keep your eyes open. This is good. I want you to keep your eyes open now at older calls. Okay? Because I, I, I had this, this revelation when I listened to this podcast that the, the people who were looking in, in uh, was it Luke 15? Is that the story of the prodigal son? I think it is. In that area, there's three stories that, that God, uh, Jesus tells about, like the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the, the lost son. And each and every one of those, there's a group of witnesses that when that person is found, or that coin is found, or that sheep is found, there's a celebration. How can you celebrate when your eyes are closed? So we're going to celebrate now with our eyes open. Anyone gives their hearts to Jesus, we, we celebrate it. We're not, going to, we're not going to get people sneaking into heaven. We want to joyously celebrate it, coming into the presence of, of God. Amen? So I don't know if there's someone here who's going to be first cab off the rank. Is there anyone here this morning, you just, you know it's time for you to give your heart to Jesus. This is it. This is what you want to say. You want to say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I, I, I don't want to live my way anymore. I don't want to live doing my stuff anymore. I, I want to give myself completely to Jesus. I want to experience what you've talked about this morning, where I know that God is love, that I know that he created me, and I want to live his purpose. I want to live uh, how he's created me. Is there anyone here this morning? Just give us a big wave right here, right now. 
so I can see it and we can celebrate together as a, a body of believers. Anybody? It's cool if it's not, it's fine. Anyone here? Doesn't matter. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the, the truth of your word this morning. I thank you that you're helping us to understand why you love us, that you are love, that you created us, and that you have a purpose for us. Help us to walk in the, the fullness and the knowledge and the power of those things this week in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.